Hello and welcome to another episode of Stars and Startups with me, Varun Bhupati. If you're a first-time listener, don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. All links can be found in show notes. This is the podcast where we get up close and personal with interesting founders and doers from the Indian startup ecosystem. On the podcast, we hear illuminating stories of entrepreneurship and the journey of building business. Nishit is the co-founder of Locus, a tool that plugs in the supply chain of an enterprise and starts automating all human decisions in the process. Locus is backed by some stellar investors and also services top CPG companies in the world. They've become so integral to the operations of their clients that they had been offered hard cash by those who wanted to ensure that Locus survived when COVID struck. Hope you enjoy my super intriguing session with Nishit. Let's get on with the show. Hey Nishit, welcome to the show. It's been a while. How are you doing? Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely great. It's been a great morning. A lot of learning since morning already. Uh, hey, awesome. So yeah. you are uh, currently part of the Blue portfolio and I think uh, on certain weekends they do a learning session. Oh, yeah. 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 So definitely there was some, some of that today morning. <laughs> um, but now you've mm. shifted base from Bombay to London. I moved last year to US uh, <laughs> and that's where I'm living and working. Like this allows me to be closer to my North American clients. But uh, during COVID, travel is restricted. And to make it easy to work with both Asia and North America teams, I've just come down to UK. Fantastic, man. Uh, that means uh, Locus, which is your current startup, is growing in leaps and bounds. And uh, I guess the growth strategy uh, has been affected by COVID much or has accelerated uh, uh, you know, adoption? Both, uh, I would say, right? So the first half of that is uh, where people just stop buying, right? Like in, in, in April and May, nobody was buying enterprise software, yeah. uh, right? And it was all about like, you know, just managing the current crisis. So if you were Zoom, if you're Microsoft Teams, amazing time, you know, you need, uh, companies needed ultra quick time to value, right? Uh, and when I say that people weren't buying, you know, that's where it even impacts companies like Slack, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was just easier for somebody to quickly buy Microsoft Teams, enable it as a checkbox. And now the entire organization is on it because people went work from home literally overnight. Right. Having said that, I don't think even you, Varun, or me personally, and I used to sell tech to grocery companies, right, had ever worried till 2019 about our personal groceries, right? It used to just happen in some autopilot fashion. This year, definitely, there were weeks when we were personally worried. If we were worried, I assured you, those business owners were really worried, right, as to how they will get their thing. So what COVID has definitely done is, is immediately put supply chain at the forefront. Nobody now thinks of it as a cost center, which was the predominant view, but as a competitive differentiator or, you know, even as core as survival. So that's where we are now seeing the second half where we are seeing a lot of tailwinds, right? Uh, People want to, you know, upgrade their logistics tech stack. People want to enable more deliveries. If you think of it, it took 10 years for, you know, online market to become 10% of the overall retail market right and then it took nine months of covid to for it to become 20 percent of the you know literally double up the online market which basically means you know if to if back in 2016 17 18 
all the startups were buying you know the tech for logistics to enable home deliveries curbside deliveries that same cycle we are starting to see in enterprises right and that's where the second half comes of where there is tailwinds right like covid is not a blessing for anyone that is yeah. not at all what i want to imply but you know to look at the silver linings in the cloud there was a first half of the impact where businesses weren't buying enterprise cycles in the second half we are definitely seeing a lot more curiosity for tech like ours which both allows you to enable multiple logistics channel as well as reduce the dependence on on site workforce awesome man so so i mean of course i don't think anybody wishes uh, you know it was because of covid that businesses have been successful and i think a lot of founders have alluded to that right they're saying hey you know we we've been here at the right time at the right place uh, unfortunately the right time is not a great time for humanity and and people in general so it it's okay can we embrace the opportunity and, and make the most out of it and and of course you know i mean uh, there's this part capitalism and there's part humanity and you know both have to survive for um, i guess uh, you know for people to move forward right uh, when you started off with locus um, you know and, and uh, you know i want to get into a little bit uh, so uh, geet and you were at amazon and you know right. you guys went on to found another company um, which then became uh, you know right safe um yeah. right safe which then became locus now uh, right safe at that point you were selling that technology that you built uh, to uh, mobility companies right uh, like an uber and ola cab providers um, or was it a different segment and actually what was right like for the yeah, audience maybe it was actually so geet and i both used to work in amazon web services hmm. very specifically the aws machine learning team we have a you know a bunch of handwritten code in the platform uh, then we quit our day jobs to you know start a location based uh, messaging venture called pinchat uh, which was the first company you referred to while we were building that there was a pretty infamous uber incident in india where the safety of a passenger was compromised by the driver that topic of women safety was close to both geet and i for personal reasons in my case my father was uh, you know has been the post trauma psychiatrist on many of these infamous cases and these were a lot of lot of family conversation for us over you know just like news cycles uh so and uh, so you know we took like a very personal take on this and then what we built out was first this route deviation tech we used to call it real time route deviation detection so it becomes r2d2 right we were just like a bunch of engineers making a bunch of exactly engineering jokes right uh so but what this did was see there were a lot of women safety apps which were like you know shake your phone if you are in trouble or some tracking or something but all of them you know allow something worse to happen and then you can act on it right we wanted to preempt technology it. exactly right we wanted to preempt it so we built up, we built up this algorithm that you know given just a source destination pair so let's say if you're from airport going back to your hotel the app will logically monitor if your driver is taking to your hotel or somewhere else sure. because you can be going through route 1 route 2 some parallel some traffic factoring in all of those much like you know as a human would looking at a tracking link it would mimic that human judgment right 
this is what we had launched as a b2c app like we didn't know really what to make a business out of it but we just thought this was a cool algorithm right which could actually be useful and uh, you know for what it's worth i i've had at least uh, so people used to call us when you know it used to alert them and something and we have had actually you know three 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 a true not positives right like what i mean by that is like where somebody called and said that you know you know what happened like my driver was taking me somewhere this started ringing and then the driver became very flustered and he actually just dropped me in the middle of the road and went right like he started making excuses for fuel and all of that so it makes me feel really happy that you know at least there were at least you know some people it made a big difference in then interestingly what happened uh the very same app very intelligently one of these on demand companies founder started using it to manage their fleet hmm. right which was very interesting to us because you know we thought gps is not new fleet management is not new why why are you hacking together a b2c app for this function right to which they gave us a very critical nuance that you know in a gps tracking thing i get to know where my driver is i don't care for that what i need to know is if my driver is not where he should be and that was a very interesting nuance that while there is a bunch of tech in supply chain around visibility effectively answering the question where my package is right very little of the tech is focused towards decision making that where my package should be and that's what led to locus by by saying that uh, where the package should be is that there's an intended direction it should be going in right like the all the all the all the planning at a macro level to execution at the micro level but the decision making piece not just the monitoring piece right like most of the logistic tech that you typically hear is that you know or oh, tell me if you know uh, a temperature what's the temperature of my cold chain give me all the information sure. right we wanted to go a step beyond visibility that now that if you have visibility on your network can your network actually start collaborating Yeah. right can you actually do the decision making piece on it right which which as a market demand really got accelerated by varun you and nishit i being coming part of the supply chain yeah. what i mean by that is see till 10 years back used to go to a retail store and pull from there right today most of your packages are actually pushed down to you much like an app notification and that needs a dramatically complex decision making which is also very quickly changing so it's actually not possible by humans to do it so fast and efficiently and that's where locus comes in right so locus is a tech platform that plugs into your enterprise supply chain and takes over decision making like routing load optimizations network optimization fleet monitoring and automates that entire journey basically what you're saying is that uh, you know logistics is extremely complicated now than it ever was and that uh, was exciting to you as as a founder uh, as as an engineer those are problems you wanted to solve yes to be and as i very said in all fairness we kept discovering it in hindsight right we had we had quit our day jobs to build a location based messaging app which became a location based safety app which effectively became locus now with the benefit of hindsight we are very clearly you know confident of where we are where we want to be and we are very excited about this space we think that you know a future chief supply chain officer can actually be a software model 
right? Mm-hmm. How much like quant funds on Wall Street trade with effectively an algorithm, right? Uh, we have a very similar mathematical view of logistics. Uh, we are not operations experts. We are we are a team of PhDs and engineers who are confident of their maths, and we think logistics is just a great industry to apply it. It wasn't being applied here a lot because, as I mentioned, there was relatively lesser need of it. Right? Think companies like Big Basket and Mintra did not exist. Who need to deliver to you on a daily, hourly changing frequency, right? And do that reliably. For example, with Big Basket, you know, we have delivered over ten million packages as part of the case study at an on-time performance of ninety-nine point five percent for all the jokes about traffic's in India. Yeah. Right. uh and that's of course like you know in great part to to the credit of the amazing operations team there right but yeah so that's what was it, what we do what was it prior to that like you know of course you have on time delivery and it's easy to uh, kind of share that uh, but typically given uh, you know like you said big basket is a, is a use case uh, what was it prior and why was it important to them so we we have been a part of them since quite early in their journey but there was still uh, uh, a there have always been a strong player in the space and they already always had uh, tracking but they had manual dispatching where the dispatch managers every day will factor in the customer demand and try and create the most optimized routes right uh, and that's still like quite quite better than you know often what's the stock process at many other places is and they were very driven by the driven in general by technology to have like a great standardization great efficiency they always knew that's their part to scale so with them we never had to do any you know market creation or buy in they were as educated and leading customer as they get and as a matter of fact i have personally learned a lot with them both on the product as well as just simply project management so sudhakar who's the ceo and tejas who's the head of products right um i i count them as my personal mentors today like you know from customers they have definitely become my mentors over time and i would say that you know for example the cio of blue dart manoj madhavan like uh, he he later over the years taught us how we could do our pricing better right like for example when we first positioned to him we were like hey we are saving you you know 12% efficiency in your transport cost and then he made us realize that you know if you are dispatching 12% extra stuff mm-hmm. you're also switching sw- saving 12% on the retail yeah. right so as i very humbly said that you know we were complete outsiders to logistics we have actually learned by working with some of our clients they have been very gracious enough to you know partner with part give a chance to our us at their our early stages and we have now grown with them over the years like now it's a very strong relationship and we hope to do that for over the next decade you know uh, what's interesting is uh, you know you brought up big basket as an example and and of course i think anyone in india who orders from them uh, actually had high regard for them in the early days right where uh, and, and probably still now in a lot of cities where big basket operates uh, is that the fresh produce gets delivered to them in a certain amount of time and of course they have the ability to you know book these slots get it in a certain location get it delivered as very easy to predict that timeline as well and it also comes very efficiently but the moment they shifted to a 2 hour delivery window and and other things things started to kind of fall apart uh, in a way i don't i mean i personally believe uh, i've experienced it also 
that during those times things were not uh, you know at their best um was it because of you know is it poor planning or is it just that some of these things don't get factored into a model like yours at that point for it to become better and which is why they use a service like uh, locus to say okay well, what we have all this data now if you want to change some of these parameters like now we don't have the one and one day or two day windows to optimize to a large extent how do we bring that window down to 2 hours and say can we deliver that same kind of uh, experience in a shorter duration so i'm sorry for your anecdotal experience i think statistically uh, even right now on the 2 hour model they've been doing like amazingly well and as i've always said that you know first credits to all the operations team but yeah these are exactly the kind of things you know uh, we help other teams with uh where we can get more predictability into the delivery shorten the time windows every time there is a slight business model change it there is definitely a fluctuation but the idea is where it stabilizes at scale and can then be it be replicated done predictably done in a cost efficient manner right uh so similarly we do this with companies you know uh from startups to large public market companies from their last mile to their first mile across the surface transport chain so today we don't run on air and water right mm-hmm. we don't handle freight uh what we handle really well is surface transport we are also working in india as well as we have teams in ho chi minh jakarta which covers our southeast asia region uh, mm-hmm. we have clients in middle east australia new zealand area anc and then of course the us and canada which has become like a big focus for the company over the last couple of years well trucking and and uh, freight is is massive uh, in the us so it's probably a great market because they also have the roads and and the equipment i mean the infrastructure to do that um but i'm curious so uh, does the complexity change with geography now that you've seen uh, cross country uh, because i know you know depending on the type of business it changes uh, drastically and the costs differ uh, but is the geography bring uh, also bring in different challenges absolutely uh, so you know uh, there there's this beautiful uh, quote in the dark knight rises by bane right he says it to the batman and he says that you know you like batman is trying to you know fight him in the dark by switching off the lights and all and that's when bane says that uh, you merely adopted the dark i was born into it i was molded into it right uh yeah so that's what happens when you have done logistics in the east and then you go west so the, i think logistics and payments are two markets which are which have always been the rising sun market right what i mean by that is that if you want to build an iphone it makes sense to design it for the consumer expectation of a person sitting in california if it works for her it would work for anybody anywhere in the world right uh that is not true for logistics you don't have perfect addresses you don't have perfect road conditions you don't have perfect infrastructure and then it's the job of your software model to accommodate for all of these constraints but once you have done that your systems becomes dramatically robust like today we have processed over 100 million deliveries in the east right so when you go down to the west you can actually handle many of those constraints and much more And, and many of these things even like on demand deliveries cash on deliveries a lot of a lot of these quick 2 hour returns all of these models actually originated from southeast asia and, uh, and then you know permeated 
to the West. So it actually gives us an edge. Um, we are interestingly, like, you know, have always been headquartered as a U.S. company, but we decided to first start solving the problems on the uh, Southeast Asian markets uh, because they just offer the most complex physical environments. I assure you, if you think, you know, traffic in Gurgaon or Bangalore is bad, uh, next time you're in Bali for a vacation, take a short trip to Jakarta, right? Yeah. Like three hours yeah. in Jakarta will make you appreciate, oh, Indian traffic <laughs> is so smooth, right? So, yeah, like they just offer some of them. Sorry, no, that's uh, mind-blowing. No, I was just saying like even uh, uh, I've seen Ho Chi Minh as well, just the craziness of, of the road. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I think they're just behind some of the developed uh, world, right? It's just a matter of time before all of those change. And again, you'll have to relook at your models on <laughs> how the deliveries would work in some of these countries. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, so you're saying, of course, the complexity uh, is a lot more over there, and hence uh, they appreciate your business a lot more. The solution that you offer is appreciated more over there. Is that the thought? No, I was saying that was the way to make it more robust. See, people appreciate the solution if it's saving you absolute cost. It doesn't matter how hard or easy the problem is. right? So that's why the appeal of this is reasonably global. And within a year, you know, North America has actually become like 20-25% of our business. And we see it becoming very quickly 50% of our business. Uh, but for the from a technical perspective, it's like, you know, where do you make the product most robust? Like if you want to make your design most robust, you go and test it with the audience in Brooklyn, right? Like just as a demographic, they have a higher expectation of design. So similarly, if you want to make tech, which interacts with the physical world more robust, go deploy it in Asia, then port it back to the West, right? Then you're left with doing simple things as converting kilometers to miles. Yeah. <laughs> but you have already baked yeah. in the baked in the complexity of you know what to do when the traffic is not predictable when the when it suddenly rains. Yeah. Why is this important though? Because you know when when you typically look at startups, uh, you'll say build a minimum viable product, right? Saying that yeah. start with the simplest, find the use case, and then solve for Absolutely. more complex uh, and and build more, right? Um, why is that different in in this scenario? No, that's a great question. Uh, that's a that's a really great question. And the answer to that is very first principles that, see, you have to decide whether you are the first in the market. If not, then your only option is to be the best in the market. Yeah. The problem we are trying to solve, you know, like everyone has read about traveling salesmen in the school textbooks and stuff, right? The broad basic maths of it has existed for about 100 years. Right. People have been doing basic delivery optimization for, you know, going back to Middle Ages. Right. Uh, we didn't have an option to be the first in the market. So our only option was to be the best in the market. That's why we first hired PhDs. Then we hired sales guys. We like, and this was especially true when we were starting up. Like, you know, today B2B is all the craze. Back in 2015, it was all about B2C. Uh, the debate was to build a six-week MVP or a nine-week MVP, right? And we were like, no, I think we will need three to six months to even, you know, build the structure of the match to see if it's possible, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> I think it's more of the problem you're attacking. 
right uh, we didn't have the option to be the first in the market so our only option was truly to be the best in the market so we actually built out the ip for over one and a half years before we really took it out yeah oh wow so so what what i'm hearing is that if if you're um, and you know being the best in the market is also a market that somewhat is proven right so that means there is no question of product market fit in this scenario yeah it's about can you cater to this market in the right way and then be able to capture that right. in in that case how do you then say price a business like this right if uh, and as as i understand it you're a layer on top of existing logistics that they're already doing um so your so your service is that intelligence that gets built on top of this right so so they already have an expense and this is a an added cost to that of course it has some tangible revenue or impact to their bottom line um so how do you then you know uh, work with a business to say okay you need to part with a little bit more money for you to do a better job down the street it's actually that's actually to be honest reasonably simple for us mm-hmm. we sell much like teslas we sell on total cost of ownership right uh and we don't actually touch the bottom line as much as the top line right because most of the companies adopting us are growth stage companies they always have growth pressures so when when we look at efficient they're looking at efficiency they're not looking at cost savings but they're looking at higher throughput okay uh so most of them make an investment into this over considering it as an expense and uh, with like the time to value is really really low like the time to value can be as low as 30 days you know and within 90 days it permeates to multiple orgs in the organization right within a within 6 months you can have documented case studies that your cost of so you know think of it this way that let's just hypothetically say if you were spending 100 dollars a day on a van doing 10 deliveries now your average cost of delivery is 10 deliveries per van right we bump it up by 20% and now you're delivering say 12 orders right now your average cost of delivery is 8.2 something right now out of the 1.8 dollars i have saved you i'll be like you know 3. Point, you know uh, 0.36 dollars is mine and 1.5 is yours so you save money i save money see for some odd reasons you know most of us while growing up have just axiomatically believed that negotiations are a zero sum game that if i need to win somebody needs to lose mm-hmm. in practice most business get business negotiations are and definitely should be optimization games right and which is specifically true for a company like us which is quite literally selling optimization right so the negotiation is typically always how to split the loot but everybody is getting the loot right? right so it's really not that acrimonious a process right and as an infrastructure service also you know like uh, we have actually been able to uh, like people have like our, our accounts like have multiple accounts you know which initially started out as a say a 100000 dollar account but are now right. over a half a million or a million dollar account over the couple of years right so we have grown across geographies we have grown across product lines we have grown across their base they have grown in their own base right and i remember like in 2015 everybody was like you know hey nobody's gonna you know 150k is about a crore right so nobody's gonna pay you crore recurring for a software right and i can tell you that you know today we have a bunch of indian customers paying half a million dollars recurring for software right and they find value in that because we are also not selling software we are selling value 
right i mean i think that's the most important part right because the the question is always like can they make it and can they do a better job than you but you know if you spend the year building ip i don't think many businesses are going to spend time and and hire phd's to write code and then comes the second piece of this right like for example during this conversation in the last 26 minutes i think you know we would have collected over another 6 to 8 million new data points right because today we are running millions of deliveries every week through the platform you know millions of packages every day through the platform right uh, and that create keeps on becoming a vicious moat which you know constantly feeds back into the ip right so you need to start with a differentiated enough ip but it should be designed in a way that it constantly learns over execution that at a very fundamental level is what machine learning is right like if you think of it a car decays in value every year you use it so that's a very classical example of a non learning system right yes a, a machine learning software every year that you use it will actually keep on increasing in its value exponential returns in that data for incremental right. costs car example i always give that example of you know reversing the car in your garage now mm. as many times as you do it you as a human are getting better because mm-hmm. you are learning right like the first few times maybe you can you scratch it you bump it right by by your second year you are on a phone call while trying to you know pick up your groceries and you can reverse back into your garage right but on day 0 your car was actually more valuable right mm-hmm. on day 365 your car is less valuable but your driving skills are more valuable and that's a very that's a very classical difference you know between a learning versus non learning mm-hmm. systems and and uh, to that point you're also learning from other businesses using this platform right and and i think that's the biggest value add right because you're saying that you know i can actually learn from 100 companies doing the same thing than me having to do 100 things so and what we often say is like we 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 democratize the tech behind amazon right like that's the whole point okay. so we go we invest in heavily right like like not a lot of companies would you know put in two digit number of phd's in just one specific you know use case i don't think we would if this was our business and to be honest nobody this build versus buy right like uh, mm-hmm. is a very investment deck questions nobody in business actually <laughs> let's see there is see, a, a very small money. intersection of companies right who will yeah. build and that's absolutely fine that's core to them yeah. in the sense yeah. that you know they are as a dna i don't mean core as a business problem like you will be surprised to know that fedex and ups like logistics is as core to this company as it gets they both use a huge amount of external tech right right uber will not uber is a tech company right so i think the core is more about what's your dna versus what's your yeah business so so i'm, I'm guessing a lot of investors asked you about like hey why would they do this themselves because like it's a, it's an annoying investor question Right? And no, no, it, it was like... it was a question. No, it was a uh, so see, uh, I pivoted to this business after doing two B two C businesses, right? So mm-hmm. all that you know, kick off, you know, writing a founder in my email signature was already gone. So I was actually very paranoid about discovering a problem statement, mm-hmm. right? So we we did a lot of primary research in the sense that you know, like I literally uh, like spent months outside the warehouses outskirts, like we. Mm-hmm. slept under the truck in the shade of that truck on hot pavements mm-hmm. like you know 
because you know again like from outside everything looks automated and logistics right but every time somebody was coming at your home, have you noticed in these last 5 years there has been a very subtle change in your life till 5 years back every time somebody was delivering they were taking a signature on a paper today everybody is taking right. a signature on an app or pressing a button or no signature right because that's the digital feedback which is going back into their planning routing systems right so right. you can actually palpate this change as a consumer the cost right. the company can palpate you know but yeah. these simple manifestations outside right so we were very paranoid about discovering this problem statement and i used to keep asking my clients that yeah. why are you not building it yourself right? yeah. and they were like why are you paying me yeah 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 like you know why would you like you know my my worry was that you know you will adopt it for a few months and then drop off right yeah. and then some of the best business leaders explained to me that dude it's just not worth my time like think yeah. of it this way that let's say it takes you 10 units of money to build this let's say you are selling at 100% margin as in like not 100% margin at double the thing right so you are selling it for to 10 customers for 20 units of money effectively you are selling it to me for 2 units of money why would i go invest 10 units of money if i can form a basic comfort right and for that comfort we have to do very specific steps for example we are an iso certified company in data privacy we are a british standard certified company we are gdpr plus uh, plus our inf- our internal infosec mandates are even higher we are a we are a 39 you know reliability system we are a 59 availability system right uh, yeah so if you are selling to so you know that's why i also don't agree with startups giving about enterprising enterprises asking for this and that it's their business like it's a very valid ask like you know if you make an infosec thing like it goes down to their insurance right so as a startup it's my duty to make sure i'm ready to sell to an enterprise right hmm. all of these requirements these you're saying these were requirements from those enterprises so that you're able to do uh, what you're doing business it's with them. investment in itself yep. it's an investment in itself which is getting it's an investment in itself yes yeah absolutely it's a big right. investment like uh, i can i can tell you like i think our opportunity cost was leave opportunity cost our billing yeah. our, our actual cost was about 680k the year we did it and if i add in the opportunity cost on development it was ridiculous but yeah i mean that's but we we think we made the right trade off and and this was all done before the whole facebook data privacy scandal broke mm-hmm. off mm-hmm. we just got a bit fortunate there then everybody suddenly like i don't think we could have closed a single contract post that if we didn't have right. these certifications i mean and, and to your point right you're basically saying that uh, one my system becomes better the more data i have right that means even if i had one two clients because of this that means i'm able to deliver more even in terms of creating yeah. more value for myself right as a business um definitely and i think that's the fun of it uh what has been uh, some of the biggest challenges in in say building for this segment yeah i think uh, the most critical challenge has been how core is logistics to anybody's business who has logistics right mm. which basically means you can't be 95% fit logistics is a very tier one service for everyone right this is not a reconciliation thing activity it's a real like you know my customers tell me that you know if locus will go down i will know it on my twitter i don't need to look at any uptime dashboard right my customers will be complaining in real time right so 
our biggest challenge both in terms of product and tech has been to maintain the purity of the platform while making sure we can become a 99% fit for our customers and and going uh, going global uh, was because there was not enough depth in a single country or because you know you're just seeing a more value and you need to it's it's land grab right just find more opportunities to sell yeah but i think there is value in enough value in every country but it's more more opportunity like you know the moment you take in your first venture dollar you should you have fundamentally signed up for the fastest growth that you should can get right and then you should build for it uh same with us also one more tactical point that many of our customers are actually multinational companies we have like almost like something like 35 to 40% of cpg coverage in like some of the large tech in the markets yeah then we also become like a single point vendor for them to work across multiple right now in some of our large million dollar plus contracts right like it's a requirement that uh, if this scales in this geography you should be able to support us there mm. right i i have team and my product works in 18 to 20 different languages uh, i have teams which can support multiple languages on the ground right and with covid travel becoming tougher we are actually now expanding the team geographies even more globally so you're saying that these get baked into contracts saying that you need to be able to do yeah, all of this yeah. over over time yeah yeah well that's incredible like, i mean you will be like yeah bring it on right like if i get to go yeah, yeah. to more countries <laughs> so yeah if i like you know if i if i want like a moderate growth and sustain like I I don't need to sign up a lot of new customers. I can actually just mm-hmm. grow sufficiently large in my existing customers. But yeah, I mean, uh, I think I was I was I was just in you know a small uh, call with Nitin Kamath from Zeroda, and he phrased it really well that you know for many founders like business is like exactly like sports, right? Like we we train for it, we get up every morning feeling competitive, and it's more about. what's that one extra thing we can do today as well awesome man um you have some incredible investors on your cap table now and and yeah. that is probably definitely added fuel uh, to the growth uh, but have has that enabled sale into some of these companies like uh, have they been able to open doors and that has actually assisted you um and and give you some light on you know picking investors based on that uh sure we've been fortunate to you know be in a position where every round till now we have had the option to take our investors very recently we had falcon these guys are investors in spacex uh and tiger global you know investing in the us prior to that uh bloom xfinity growex have really helped us build and even before that you know some uh like ex founders who did us so for example amit ranjan of slideshare uh, you know it, i i think he's one of just just the most amazing product mentors you can borrow time from uh and they have helped us in many ways right uh, not just clients let me elucidate a few right uh, one they have helped us in hiring which is extremely critical right one of some of my best leadership teams have come as reference from my investors then they have also helped me in interviewing so for example when i was hiring my cfo i didn't even know how to check the technical skills right 
So I called up the CFO of one of my investors, right, Ashish, and I'm like, can you help me? And he was so generous that, like, I think he would have easily taken six to eight interviews for us because you know we also have a pretty high bar. Yeah, like so it wasn't that you know we had selected the guy and he was just validating it, right? Uh, he actually helped us through and through. uh then many of our investors have helped us open you know customer gates so we have shelesh from xfinity uh you know then we have manish from pi ventures like he has been a great uh, mentor on the tech product side navroz from falcon right like and uh, see and at a later stage like just having some of these large capital pools behind you like falcon and tiger gives very significant comfort to other enterprises that you won't die let me give you an example so we become part of a very critical piece of the you know business operations right so yes. once we are plugged in like we have like you we can't die so when when there is a vendor registration thing they they talk a lot about business continuity and the fact we have you know large hedge funds with deep pockets as our investors helps us a lot right yes. and then uh in the recent covid thing we actually had a couple of customers call us that you know hey you know if you need like some 0% debt or something tell us like you know but no just way. don't die you can't die that's like, incredible yeah, yeah, yeah. like free worry like that's so, incre- i mean that's real validation right, right. that's real so, validation you, for what you're doing is actually helpful yeah that you know that if you need some survival anything you tell us So we are like no no you know thankfully we have made some right moves and we have two to three years of runway already in the bank and yeah but yeah I was I was extremely happy and humbled to hear that from my customers. No that's uh, that's that's great to hear. Right? I mean uh, you're also fortunate uh, to be able to get these guys on board. Um, has this have anything to do with uh, your alma mater uh, bits? Bitians uh, you know tend to stick together. we do so in in the sense that uh yeah i don't know about the uh it's it's a it's a it's a great entry into the door it builds credibility right like there is so much noise in the market anytime right so every time you you know you use your alma mater investors these are basically quick credibility building right mm. so it helps you get a foot into the door right uh yeah it gives you get you probably also creates a, probably also creates a nice pipeline of people you can hire from uh, uh yeah yeah same, same is true for iits also you know same is true for any reasonably decent institute like i wouldn't go into you know like you know bits is more <laughs> close knit than iits or iits are more less. like it's my, like my by the way like my co-founder is an iitian right so it's sure. all good like you, you you're the best in, best of like, both worlds Yeah, yeah, and like my my uh, my head of business is also another idiom from Kanpur. My co-founder is from Kharagpur. I'm from Goa. One of my investors from Pilani. I mean, I mean the right. Uh, the recent guys are from Harvard. Yeah, so it just helps you. Um, yeah, it just makes a good warm opening connect. Definitely, like you can't deny the value added. Uh, speaking of hiring, are you uh, bringing uh, more people onto the rocket ship of Locus? always i i i just actually ran the stats of this month cuz you know i had to plan the next one right uh, i i personally took about 110 interview calls just this month 
that's insane because so, you know what, what when, when i for? said yeah we're looking for talent and across all tech revenue uh, right definitely a lot of so by the way you know if anyone's listening and this like we have a discrete hack it's a website called discretehack.com this is a hackathon run specifically by locals we we have like some good prize money and everything and we put in a lot of you know uh, heart and soul into the problem design it's just it's it's genuinely a good uh, hackathon built by data scientists for you know uh, all of us like you know often how i say in locus is that you know locus is made of two kind of people one who code on production and one who code on weekends right so our office has a full fledged hardware lab you know it's just a makers lab you can try out test out i personally still hack like you know small electronics project um yeah so a lot of us like you know hack and hustle on our on tech projects on our side things right and you will you will see at locus uh, many of the data scientists having the most engaging discussions you can find on stock market investing mm-hmm. right because at okay. some point it's again <laughs> maths and analysis right? yeah uh yeah so for i think we are just a team of problem solvers and builders right like we don't mind breaking structuring any problem between me and my head of sales you know the guy I was mentioning from it kanpur krishna mm-hmm. you know we have broken down open sales into puzzles everything like we, we like we test ab test everything that you know how many like even simple things like uh how many meetings should i go in with a jacket how many meetings should i go in with a t-shirt <laughs> just ab test everything make it a That's puzzle so make it fun no man this is great uh, how do i sign up <laughs> um hey so uh, you know you mentioned that you're making a few million in revenue have you hit the unicorn club yet are you in 100 million arr at the moment no we are not in 100 million arr club yet that's where we are planning to and now what but what has definitely happened is that from a pipe dream it has actually become like our next goal on our slide deck right like and very recently we got listed along you know jda oracle manhattan associates as one of the best global routing vendors and these were guys who were like my ideals when i started four years back today they are my competitors so it feels nice i have a lot of respect for them uh and yes i would like to hit 100 million arr but at the same time i would like to hit 100 million arr while still growing 100% yoy and mm. ebitda positive right see i mean startups is about growth so i don't want to hit any revenue mark without continuing to grow 100% yoy you don't want to have a burnout right uh in the startup burnout is different <laughs> um, yeah i mean that's okay so Uh, i mean uh, like how i often describe it to my team is that i think at this point you we have qualified for the global olympics heat right yeah. so now we are in the final race but there are still eight people running and there is the podium but yes the next stop is the podium <laughs> cool then uh, i'm i'm sure you guys are going to hit uh, you know velocity and and hit the podium and and uh, be a michael, michael phelps get all the gold medals in uh, every you. single olympics very <laughs> fun is the bit uh yeah. hey awesome nishit this has been fun uh, i'm going to leave you to your uh, weekend in london so uh, uh, you know uh, stay safe and and you know hope to catch up with you soon good luck thanks varun this was very engaging really appreciate it have a great day cheers man